Okay, good morning. This is Richard Shu, host of Shu Untied. Today, I'm very pleased to have with me as my guest, Sandy Kurtzik, a successful entrepreneur and investor of Ask eBenefits and most recently, Kanandi. Uh, Sandy, welcome. Thank you. Pleasure to be here. So, Sandy, let's start by talking. You were obviously a successful entrepreneur. Tell me a little bit about the company you started and what were some of the real big lessons that you learned from that? Well, I've started a couple companies. And I think the first one I started, which is what I'm most known for, is Ask Computers. And ask, I started in the second bedroom of my apartment with $2,000. And the whole thing I was trying to do was have a part-time job that I could do uh, from, the, from my house, from my bedroom, uh, and have a family. My goal was to have a family. I have a very technical background, though. My background is in mathematics and chemistry and from UCLA and a master's in aeronautical engineering from Stanford. So I did have a science degree. Um, I also had worked um, previously, but I was ready to have a family. And I thought if I could couple um, a business to keep my mind occupied when my children were sleeping, uh, that would be something that would be fun to do. Hmm. Well, what made you decide that you know, starting a company, was, was there something about it, like an entrepreneurial drive that you had? What was the thing about starting a company that was interesting to you? Well, being an entrepreneur gave me control. And I incorrectly thought that children sleep. I didn't realize there's all those other things like about diaper changes and everything else that comes in between. Uh, but uh, I really thought it would give me the most flexibility to be able to have a business and to also have a family. And did that prove to be the, the case? It did, except the business took off. Um, you know, I started with one step. The business asked, we developed manufacturing software uh, manufacturing financial software for manufacturing companies. We were the first company to come up with a package product that worked on a mini computer. This is in the 70s, so it was very early mm. when companies were using mainframes and there was this shift to using mini computers um, and having computers on premise as opposed to having to rent time on a on a mainframe. And I was the first one to to create a package product called Man Man. Mm. Um, for manufacturing companies, and that um, that took off. Hmm. Companies, more companies started buying it, so we started hiring more people. And as we started hiring more people, obviously the company got bigger, and I grew out of the house into an office, and then the office started growing, and and you know our revenues it came in. We didn't have any venture capital because. Um, at that point, first of all, VCs weren't investing in software companies. They were just investing in hardware companies. And besides, there was very little, there was only about $500 million of venture capital, period. Mm -hmm. So we started with $2,000 and grew totally from retained earnings. We'd get money in from the customer, then we'd have a little more money to spend. And um, that's how we grew the company. Hmm. What, what, how did you come up with the idea for that business? Well, I was reading articles about how the U.S. at the time was the least... Um, productive in how they did their manufacturing operations, that a lot of foreign countries were just much more efficient at manufacturing than the U.S. And I started working with a couple companies um, when I was at General Electric that were, were startup companies and at, at that point, and they had this big problem. They couldn't keep track of their inventory. They didn't know. They, they had all of the lists of what go, went into building their product called a bill of materials. They had it in, in handwritten. Mm -hmm. um, they hand wrote purchase orders at the time. 
uh, none of this was automated. And I realized that you could take a computer and that somebody could be automated uh, and would give them you know, a lot more flexibility as they grew. Yeah. Um, started the company in Silicon Valley when there was a real growth spurt, so the convergent technologies and the Cisco's and the Hewlett Packard's and the, the Seagate's. And um, ended up just being very lucky to be involved with all of these fabulous startup companies that grew to be multi-multi-billion dollar companies, and we grew with them. Hmm. Now, obviously, Ask was wildly successful. Was that your expectation, or did you not <laughs> no. think it was ever going to get there? What, 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 what were your thoughts when you went into that business? My expectation at the time was how to get to lunch. Okay, <laughs> I already knew who was going to pay for lunch, because being a woman, men had this thing about not letting women pay for your lunch. Mm. So um, I knew the man would pay for lunch. That saved me money. So, um, <laughs> you know, my expectation was just to, you know, definitely not to be, uh, certainly not to be the first woman to take a technology company public right. and not to be financially so lucrative for myself and others. But well, tell me a little bit. Way. Tell me a little bit about what. So, what do you think? Some of the keys to the success of you know building company. What did you learn from that experience? You know, what do you tell young entrepreneurs that want to start a company that are really the most important things about building a successful company? Well, there's plenty of. First of all, you have to you know be in the game. Okay, you can't just say come up. There's there's thousands of ideas around, mm -hmm. and so many people say you know after an, one of their ideas becomes a product and company, they say oh I had that idea. Well, that's nice. There's thousands of ideas. But in order to win at the game, you have to be in the game. I mean, and, and if you just sit there and say, oh, I have all these ideas, you have to at some point, you know, move, be active, start the company, or at least do more research on it and, you know, see what it would take to start the company. So be in the game is probably the first thing that I would say. Second thing is self-confidence. Um, it's, it's if you can't sell your idea to somebody... And if you don't have confidence in yourself, how do you expect somebody else to have confidence in you? So it's really important to have self-confidence and to, and to you know, research your ideas very well so that um, you, know, you know that you're on solid, on, on solid ground, but you have to have self-confidence and, and, and really believe in yourself. Um, you have to take risks. Okay? Nothing is guaranteed in life except, I guess, death and taxes. <laughs> uh, so, you know, but if you don't take some risks, if you don't actually move outside of your comfort zone and, you know, get, get involved in all aspects of the business and, and learn about finance. Finance is very important. You have to understand finance. Um, it can be very simple finance. I mean, I used to tease because I don't have a financial background. I have a technology background was that I use a, 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 a shoebox theory that I would put I would sell customers, and I would put the money in a shoebox, and then I would pay all my bills out of the shoebox. And at the end of the month, if I had money in that shoebox, you know, right. I would know I was uh, making some money. Um, I think today's market, there's just so much venture capital around, which I think is actually a disadvantage, uh, that people overspend. They don't really think about what are the financial implications. And I think that, you know, businesses, you know, if you want to make a profit making business, it someday has to make money. Mm. And if it doesn't make money, it's called a nonprofit. Mm -hmm. So I really believe that being more conservative is actually a, a big advantage, uh, and not overspending and and you know focusing on you know what your product is, making sure you get it out there, making sure that you support your customers well, and have a good reputation for your customers because of your good customer service and your solid product. And I would like to I like to grow slower rather than just you know 
overnight successes type mm-hmm. thing. Now, you read a lot about entrepreneurs. You know, being an entrepreneur is a lot of ups and downs. Mm-hmm. What are some of the things you deal with when you have the downsides? How do you, you know, what are some of the things? Do you do, you do anything specific or have, try to keep a certain mentality to get through those periods? Well, you have to remember you have, cust- you have, you have employees. So the employees are watching you. When things are not going well, they're watching you to see how you handle it. Mm-hmm. And I tend to um, have a very self-deprecating humor about things. Mm. Um, and generally, when people come to me with the sky is falling, it probably isn't falling quite as, as fast as they think it is. But, you know, I try to get to the root of the problem and understand it. And, you know, try not to overreact problems. You're always going to have problems in business. Every day you have multiple problems, but you just need to deal with it. You need to, to look at it and, and figure out how to solve the problem and um, you know get on with it. Mm. Now, one of the reasons I invited you, Sandy, was because I have not had, I've had a lot of entrepreneurs on this show, but I've never had a, a woman entrepreneur, so it's very exciting. I appreciate you So I'm going to be your first of many, right? <laughs> first of many. Okay. That's right. You're going to help me get many. But tell me a little bit about what are some of the advice, what are some of the advice that you can give to younger women who want to start companies mm-hmm. and be entrepreneurs? You know, what, what have you mm-hmm. learned that can help them as well? Well, I think it's very important to get a good education. And I think the more background you can get in the sciences, the better, because you can always fall back on a degree in science or math. Um, it's just the basis of everything. Mm-hmm. I also think for women getting out of school, one of the best career moves is to go into sales. Hmm. You probably are surprised to hear that. Hmm. But you know, sales is, for, is very much of an equalizing field. Most salespeople are paid on commissions. And so if you do better and you sell more, it's black and white. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we hear a lot, we read about, about discrimination, about women not getting their fair share of the jobs and so forth. But this is a very equalizing field. And it also, as a, in sales, you get to know the product. Um, so you learn a lot about the technology of the product, if it's, if it's in a technical field, of course. It could be in any field, I mean, obviously. Um, you learn a lot about the company because you have to sell the company when you're in a sales position. You learn about how to deal with customers. You learn about how to make presentations. Um, you learn about how to, how to, make a, how to financially um, you know, present your product. And so it just gives you an overall background that I think for somebody getting out of school is just an incredibly good place to start a career. I also think working for a a bigger company when you first start is good because you can see a lot about business. You can see, you know, the whole spectrum of business. And to be be a woman in business uh, or to be a man in business for that matter, you really have to have a lot of experience. You have to experience in finance. You have to experience in customer service. You have to have experience in selling. You have to experience in marketing. And, you know, to, to be able to have as much experience as you can uh, will prepare you for the future and whatever you want to do, whether you want to go up the corporate ladder or whether you want to start your own company. Then, did you find that when you started a company, which was, you know, a while ago, um, did you find that being a woman, you had trouble other people taking you seriously? Was that ever an issue for you? Well, I think that you can look at the glass being half full or half empty. Mm. Okay, I always found that you can use this um, sexual, you can use sexual stereotypes to your advantage. Mm. Uh, being a woman, men didn't think I was going to, to have as much knowledge mm. in, as, the, as the men did. Mm. And so when I did have as much knowledge and I could answer the questions, I had two advantages. One, they were surprised. So they, you know, you know they were more impressed by my knowledge and my background and, and my abilities than they probably would have been with a man which is having equal knowledge. Mm. And number two, they probably remembered me. 
since I was up against five, maybe five people who were selling or five people who were, who were men usually, uh, I stood out. You know, I wore a dress. I dressed differently than the man who, you know, and so it would turn out to be an advantage, I think. Now, you can always look at things as, as I said, half empty, the, the glass being half full or half empty. In my case, I sort of looked the other way or didn't acknowledge when there was discrimination. I mean, if they didn't want, if a customer didn't want to deal with me, then that's their problem, not mine. And I'd find another customer. And I really didn't let it get to me because my goal was to have a successful business. And if my goal was to have a successful business, I wanted to do everything I could to get to that success. And these are just obstacles. If you think about it like a game, okay, there's, you always have obstacles. You could be short, you can be tall. Oh, Curry. Curry's not the tallest basketball player around. Okay, but he's fast, mm-hmm. and he obviously is, is the best basketball player around. So he hasn't let the fact that he's shorter than the competition uh, get to him. He's figured out how to take advantage of other things that he has and traits that he has to get ahead. So after running such a successful company, tell me a little bit about your latest company, Canandy, and mm-hmm. why you decided to do another company. Well, I thought I was happily retired living in Hawaii. Mm-hmm. And I had retired twice along the way at ASK. By the way, I replaced myself and, and, and uh, twice until I finally retired. Mm-hmm. Uh, and was living in Hawaii, happily retired. And a friend of mine, it just happens to be uh, Mark Benioff, who, of course, is the very successful uh, founder of Salesforce. And one day I was asking him, well, with this whole cloud thing, there's obviously a whole paradigm shift. So remember, when I started Ask, there was a paradigm shift from mainframes to mini computers. And mini computers just really got bigger and more powerful, or smaller actually, and more powerful over the years. Mm -hmm. But you still can run the same programs on the mini computers from 20 years ago that you can run on today. In fact, you know, we still have, there's still a lot of customers out there that are using ManMan, which was our first premier product at Ask. Um, 20 years, Philips, we're just replacing it now. Philips, uh, Belden Bricks, I mean, there's a lot of companies that are still using products of, from, from Ask that are, hmm. that are still in, in use 20 years, 25 years, 30 years later. Wow. So the mini computers have gotten you know, more powerful, smaller, now we call them PCs, uh, and, but it, the technology has not changed drastically. And the cloud technology, um, having a platform that's it's really going back to mainframes in a lot of ways, yeah. um, is was a whole paradigm shift. So you can't take software written for a PC and put it on the cloud. It just doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Just like you couldn't take software written from the mainframe and put it on a mini computer or a PC. Uh, you have to write it for that particular platform or paradigm. Um, and so I was talking to Mark, and I said, you know, who's going to win in the game? You know, you still have to run businesses, so you have to have software. And as the world goes to the cloud, there has to be all the software that's out there that's written for, um, you know, many computers that's going to have to be rewritten. And I said, who's going to be writing that software? And, And Mark said, without missing a beat, he says, you are. Okay. I said, no, no, Mark. No. And this is before yeah, you even started yeah, the company. Yeah. This is before. Oh, I didn't have a company. I said, Mark, you know, come on. Let's get serious. The sun's getting to you. Um, this was in Hawaii, obviously. And, uh, and he said, no, you have to go do it. Just go look at it. And I said, well, I'll look at it. But the deal is, um, you know, the chances of my doing it is slim. I'll look at it, but you can't talk about it because I want to, you know, 
make sure that it'll work. And there's a lot of questions about whether it'll work or not. Right. And so that was really the origin of how it started. It was almost like a double dare from, from Mark. And I started looking at it and looked at all the different platforms out there, but ended up very focused on the Salesforce platform. Um, and it wasn't just because of my relationship with Mark. It is such a fabulous platform. Mm. And we were able to develop software on that platform and uh, and in a, in a way that has never been done before. Mm. And so we developed full ERP from order to cash and everything in between, all inventory, bill of materials, purchasing, mm. um, MRP, full MRP, and it's amazing how fast and efficient it works on the cloud when you develop it right. If you develop it from ground up, understanding the limitations and the advantages you have in that paradigm, uh, it's just an amazing uh, you know, platform. Plus, you have all the advantage of the security. You don't have to worry about the security because you have you know, Salesforce or mm. one of the other mm. vendors on the cloud that puts billions of dollars into worrying about security, which is great. Mm. And so we were able to focus on developing the software. Mm. So that's how it happened. You think Mark knew that you were going to do that, take that bait and, and do that company? Well, he obviously was hoping that was the case. In <laughs> fact, he, you know, he says, oh, you had to call it what was it? Uh, manufacturing Force or something at the time. And I said, that's just too long, you know. And Canandy is um, Ken and Andy, which are my two sons. Ah. So that's where the name came from. Now, I know recently you became the chairman of Canandy. You yes. gave up the CEO job. What's in the future for you now? What, what are you going to do? Are you going to start another company? Are you going to oh. write a book? <laughs> what, what are you going to do now? Well... Um, I'm trying to take some time to myself. In fact, last summer was the first time that I actually was a vagabond and uh, hiked and, and biked uh, in, in Europe, which was wonderful to Sounds be able nice. to do that. I yeah. know, yeah, my kids did that when they got out of college. <laughs> and I went right to work, and you know. So I never had that. And I said, hey, you know, I think I'm going to go relive my childhood. So it was, it was wonderful. Uh, so that was the first thing I did. Um, spending more time in Hawaii is my second, of course. And I am. I, when I wrote CEO, which was my first book, building a $400 million company from the ground up, of course, the company turned out to be closer to a billion. Um, but uh, I talked a lot, a lot about you know, building a company. And what I didn't talk a lot about was the family aspect. Because one, um, that wasn't what the book was about. It was about entrepreneurship. And I've always thought of myself as a business person that just happens to be a woman. Mm -hmm. I don't really focus on the woman because, you know, when you look at the Wall Street Journal and this, our symbol was ASKI, didn't say ASKI and then in parentheses female. <laughs> so you're, you know, you're evaluated as a public company in the same way that any other company is evaluated on. And so that was really the secondary, the fact that, you know, I was a woman. Um, and, you know, I clearly hope that someday we'll get to a gender neutral you know, society. Mm -hmm. It's not happening fast enough, of course. But so when I wrote CEO, I didn't talk about, you know, t about the children and family. And a lot of women said, you know, we really, you know, want that part of the book. You know, what, what, what can we do? What do we need to do? And I think that, um, so I am working on a book. Um, the operating title or is um, Be in the Game. Because hmm. if you're not in the game, you know, you can't win. Right. And it talks about, um, you know, what are the what are the attributes? What are the things? What are the rules of the game? Um, and how is it different for women than men? So the book was going to be oriented toward, um, you know, young girls. That probably three phases: young girls and what you know, what can parents do to 
um, you know, promote their their feelings for science and their feelings that they can go and run businesses and and not lose that when they cut to college, which sometimes happens. Mm-hmm. And then the second part of it is oriented toward the, the young professional who's just, you know, out of school and wants to know how they're going to balance family and, and, and work. And the third part is for those people who are going up the professional ladder who are trying to reach the top, the corner office, or who want to go off and start their own business. Mm. So it's that's that's the orientation. Well, Sandy, it's been a fascinating conversation. I really appreciate you being my first successful female entrepreneur. And when you finish that book, I'd love for you to come back and tell me about it. Okay, thank you. This is Richard Chu and Sandy Kurtzik. Thanks. Thanks.